welcome to Keeping It Real with Ken. I am your host, Kennedy Wiltz, and today on this podcast, we will have a real open and loving conversation, hopefully with the intention of cultivating community through Spotify and Instagram. And on this episode, I have my great friend and partner, Matthew, who uh, works with me in portraits, and we do a lot together. Uh, we will be talking about the experience of being an experience hispanic male at baylor and so i'm gonna let him introduce himself so hi guys i'm matthew um i'm from dallas texas born and raised uh i would say definitely coming to baylor was definitely a little bit of a culture shock just because i, I grew up around nothing but minorities pretty much in the the ghetto part of dallas so coming here was definitely uh, definitely an experience that i won't forget just being out of your comfort zone so that's a little bit about that. Okay, so before we get in this episode, I want to, um, I believe in the importance of education. So in this episode, I'll be asking Matthew, like some of, if he's ever seen or experienced any type of microaggressions. So first, I want to define it because I feel like that's important that education is done first. So uh, microaggressions are just like comments or actions that are, uh, even if it's unconscious or intentional, it can be expressed as prejudice prejudiced attitude towards a member of a marginalized group so just wanted to bring that for it first and um as we continue our interview i want to ask him what are some identities that um he defines himself by um i would definitely define myself as a hispanic uh first generation college student uh straight male <laughs> okay uh <laughs> so first question what are some stereotypes that people have about your race Stereotypes. There's a lot to be to be fair. Um, I think a a big one is definitely if you know Spanish or not. That's probably one of the biggest ones. Um, another big one is just if you're really if you're legal here or if you're even smart enough to come here. That's another big one that I've experienced while being here. Um, there's there's a lot of stereotypes to be fair that we only work uh, hardworking jobs. You know we don't really have education. Uh, we don't speak English well. There's, there's like things like that. Okay, so uh, that kind of flows into my next question, and I wanted to ask this one because my reading in my class, you were talking about how uh, there's a high percentage of Hispanic people that are discriminated in workplaces in many different areas. So I wanted to ask if, in your experience, has are there any particular systems that are set up now that work against people in your race? Um, I think uh, in terms of like society, society was definitely a problem when, not to get political or anything, but when Trump was in office, there was a rise and like a lot of people asking, like wondering if we were even legal or wondering if we spoke English. And so I, I would say like over the last couple of years, it's kind of calmed down a little bit. But here at Baylor, um, there's still a lot of like changes that's be happening here at Baylor, like necessarily. Not necessarily just like with Hispanic population, but with minorities in general, uh, especially like just the students here. The student body here is a big part of what makes Baylor not so multicultural. Like I've been I've been asked if I was homeless before. I've asked if I've been asked if I was, I've came here before. I've been asked where I've came from before multiple times. And it's just like it's something that you don't think about growing up with nothing but minorities. But when you come here, it's definitely almost like a slap in the face because it's like you think you people see you for you but in reality like all they a lot of times they see you as like a color or like a just a number in the population mm 
What are some scars or strengths that you have gained from those particular experiences? Um, I think it definitely just um, some strengths. It really just opened my eyes up to like this how the real world is. Like you can stay. It's different from being in your hometown where you pretty much know everybody. Like everyone looks like you. Everyone talks like you. Versus getting out of your comfort zone and going to a new environment where, you know, like everyone doesn't talk like you and they don't look like you. So it definitely prepared me for for that aspect of it, especially for like going like I want to go to medical school. So I'm going to have to deal with these kind of types of people all the time. And so I think it really just taught me the how ignorant people can be. And sometimes it's not personal. Some people some people just are raised that way and they don't know right from wrong. So that's a big thing that you have to get through your head like that. Like, although it hurts, it does hurt you. It's not necessarily their fault. Like it could have been like the way they were raised, um, and the, or the, they could just be ignorant. It's not. Um, it's not necessarily that they're trying to hurt you. It's just they don't know how to ask in the correct way, and so. Okay. Um. So kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier. Um. Have you seen or experienced any type of microaggression? Uh. If so, how did you combat it um yeah um it was definitely uh my first experience of the migration here at baylor was line camp so for y'all for those of you who don't know line camp is like this little tradition that baylor has for their incoming freshmen and we had i had i was in a group with all white students for the most part and it was when we were just getting to know each other and all that and they asked where i was from and i told them that i was from dallas and they're like they 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 kept asking me like I was lying to them or something like are you from Mexico and they, one of them eventually asked me if I was from Mexico, and I was like no and like oh well, when was the last time you went to Mexico and it was kind of like I haven't ever been to Mexico I went once when I was a baby and that was it, and then it was just more of like this, this stereotype they had of me like oh like you wear those shoes oh those are probably gang shoes right, like oh those are gang colors like that's why I my my mom and dad never bought me those shoes because they said only the gang members wear them. So it was like that was probably the first time I had ever experienced a microaggression. Wait, were they the all black shoes? Nah. They were okay. <laughs> they were, they were okay. Cortezes. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't Air Forces. Okay. Nah. Okay. Because I know people used to say if you were all black Air Forces, yeah, you were a menace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but nah. anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Nah, so that was probably the first time, and then uh, the second time was when me and JT, JT's my friend. For those of you who don't know, we were sitting outside of uh, Penland. And we were out by the dorm side, and it was, like, this big tradition where, like, Baylor students go down and touch the line. But for, some, for whatever reason, me and JT didn't end up going. So we had all these students come with their line jerseys walking past us, and we'd hear, like, murmurs, like, um, are they homeless? Do they even go to this school? Why are they there? Or why are they there? Why are they here? And it was a, it was a different, like, approach because it was, like, back home, it was something that you could get away with for like resulting to violence but for especially here at Baylor if you I feel like if you result to violence all you do is feed into that stereotype where you're ignorant enough where you can't express your feelings through um, uh, words so you result to violence and they just look down on you for that so it was definitely it was definitely hard to hold that back especially because you don't even know these people like they don't know you either and they're just like automatically assuming things so it was it was definitely a hard experience here yeah, I think that's um, interesting because I know in one of my classes you we were talking about how um, in the Asian population um, people will ask them where they're from, and they don't always assume they always assume it's like from this faraway place when those people could literally just grow up in the United States and things are just assumed 
a certain way. And I think also, like you said, with Trump coming into office and him building the wall, I think that that brought a lot of fear for a lot of people. So, yeah. yeah it definitely brought a lot of hate towards any Hispanic in the vicinity. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I um, have a question more so targeted towards uh, the other side of you being that you are a male. Um, so I just wanted to state this fact. There's this fact that men are three or seven times more likely to commit co- to commit suicide than women. So I just want to know why do you think that that is more likely to happen for men than women? Uh, I just think there's a big stigma in our society, like as a whole, with mental health and men in general. Like, uh, there's a big like not stereotype but it's more of like a gender role like men aren't allowed to express their feelings if a man a man expresses his feelings he's not really a man he's weak or he's emotional and i think that's that plays a big part into it especially like growing up in a hispanic household where it's like men don't talk about that kind of stuff like you know you don't talk about oh like i feel sad this way i feel sad like men don't do that like as i was raised growing up that you just take it on the back and that's it and um going through going through life there's definitely ups and downs and i really think it's uh, it has a lot to do with like the people men necessarily don't necessarily feel like there's help for them like that they'll be judged in a certain way or seen as less of a man if they go seek mental health and especially with uh like therapies therapists being predominantly women it is definitely harder for guys to open up to a woman because they do feel like they're being judged or they're feel, they feel like they're too vulnerable to the point where they might get hurt so I think that's definitely uh, a big thing, especially when it comes to mental health. Because like I I know people that have struggled with it, and it's like you would never expect that person to the struggle be struggling with it. And it really just goes to show you how many people really struggle with it and never seek help because of they're scared that someone's gonna judge them or scared of seeing being seen as less than. Okay, so how do you think that not only men or women too can like help to break that? stigma for those numbers to go down uh, i think it's definitely just a process i mean there's uh, i'm pretty sure like these last couple of years has been there's been more advocates for like especially if you look in like just the music industry like juice World was a big part of like conveying for mental health and things like that and i think it's just become more acceptable like i know i think men have their own mental health month now like in september october or somewhere around there and it's just more awareness and more open there's there's a lot of openness to seeking help now so it's not, it doesn't feel like it's almost like a pity call it feels like they made, they made room for you so if you need it you need it you know yeah so um this is more so uh leaning on male privilege so in my class we talked about the wage gap between uh men and women and so i just want to know what you think about it it doesn't it's okay if it's a lot and just answer what you think. You don't speak for all men. You're just speaking for you. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't, I don't have a lot of experience with the wage gap because, like, you know, we're kind of in college. We're not really in careers yet. So it's kind of – I haven't had much experience to it. I know – I definitely know it is there. Like, it's like the elephant in the room, especially in most uh, most professional environments. But for me, my experience personally, I don't really have much experience with it because – all the jobs I've worked have been everyone gets paid seven twenty five or everyone gets paid eight dollars, eleven dollars. It's kinda of just like a flat rate for everybody. Okay. 
Now, the next question is, what do you think about the male privilege that you hold? I mean, I got to ask you, because in the last episode, we talked, we had women empowerment moments, and then we had uh, being women of color moments. So now I have to ask you, <laughs> what do you think about male privilege? Male privilege. Well, like, what part do you want me to, like, discuss about it? Whatever you want to discuss. <laughs> um, I feel like there definitely is, and that, well, obviously there is an aspect of it everywhere you go, but I think it's... Um, I probably think the biggest part of it is just like knowing that oh, I can't even say that because it's like there is a lot of men that get sexually assaulted but I feel like there is uh, you you are in, you're in a safer environment for the most part especially like walking at night and like uh, just going to places that are sketched out like you don't necessarily have to be looking over your shoulder like compared to how women have to nowadays it's uh, it's definitely something that you don't think about until you put yourself in perspective or until you think of like until you have a girlfriend or somebody or like your mother or your sister and you think about them like walking and going to the stores by themselves that's definitely an aspect as a man you don't think about until you get older and you're kind of like more aware of how how easy it is for you to move around versus a woman yeah i understand that so um so for these last few questions i'm gonna go back to the other part that shapes you your race and being hispanic uh so I wanted to ask this question that I think is very important. So in my class, we talked about how since 1920, the state and federal uh, government has been like trying to change the diets of Mexican families. So I just wanted to know, like, has have you seen that change in your own family? And like, how has it affected you? I have not, actually. Um, but I think the the changing of the diet thing is really... Uh, I don't know. It's kind of a hard topic to tackle because it's it, the diet plays an factor with so much of the culture, especially with Hispanics. And a lot of the times, the meals that are created from those ingredients are just because, like rice and beans, are like the cheapest things in the store that you can make multiple times. So it's like if you really want to try to adjust the the diets of them, you'd have to bring down a certain cost of healthier foods like fruits and vegetables. Because it's so much easier to go in there and buy rice and beans for like five dollars, like the big bags, like the two or three pound bags, versus going in there and buying a healthy foods like uh, lettuce, tomatoes, and all that for twenty, twenty-five dollars. So, I th- and I think it's, I it, it it does need a change because a lot of the Hispanic foods are fatty and like they're not as good for good for your health. But at the same time, it's part of the culture. You can't really necessarily take that away without taking away the culture that comes with it yeah that's like soul food i love soul food uh <laughs> what are some traditions that your family uphold and have those have you seen those traditions on campus um some traditions my family uphold it's just um i don't know let me think about that for a second i know i grew up playing loteria i grew up uh listening to tejano music dancing uh, going to quinceañeras, going to uh, families' cookouts, everything like that. But I just don't think, as a whole, the Hispanic population is really represented here at Baylor at all. I think we really have, like, one we have one event on campus where Baylor promotes us, and it's, it's Fiesta. But other than that, um, I don't really see a big Hispanic population here at Baylor. Like, I know on the charts it says we're the second, the second biggest here, but honestly, it does not feel that way, especially with our orgs and things like that there's like little to no people in them and part of it's on the student body but i think baylor just doesn't do a very good job of really promoting 
cultural awareness for the Hispanic community other, other than outside of um, Hispanic Heritage Month. But what they what they do with that one is they throw everything in on that month. It's like they throw Hispanic Heritage Month, Mosaic Mixer, uh, Asian Heritage Week, and it's like they throw all those inside, like right around that month time. So it's like you really don't get a chance to experience the Hispanic culture here on campus or anything mm-hmm. like that, especially since Baylor doesn't even decorate the campus. Like it's it's kind of sad when you think about it, how much like they don't they don't cater to their minorities as much as they they should, especially when they use when they token us, whenever they use like a picture of a Hispanic and they put it on their applications to make it seem like they welcome Hispanics. But at the same time, a lot of their student body is hostile and a lot of their professors aren't necessarily the most open to um, most open to understanding that cultural barrier and that that feeling of isolation whenever you, you you are the minority in a big population like here at Baylor. Okay. So um, I wanted to ask, since you already kind of touched on it, what are some organizations that other Hispanic students could be involved in? Oh, there is some his, uh, organizations here on campus, like Hispanic Student Association. I'm a part of that. It's just, it's just really where you can meet people that sound and talk like you and look like you. Like, that was a big part of uh, me finding my spot here on campus was getting connected with them. Just because I, walking around campus, you see maybe a couple, a handful of Hispanic students here and there. You really don't see a lot of minority students in general, to be honest with you here. And, uh, and some other ones are like um, Bears Medical Student Association. I know a lot of the Hispanic and minority populations here at Baylor are, are in uh, pre-med or pre-law so there is a lot of in those organizations you'll find more people of color um i know there's lash there's it's like latin association student health society something like that um that's also more medical based but yeah and then there's this thing called portraits you know you can come come support (laughs) work with the kids and yeah we're the leaders over it so (laughs) come (laughs) i feel like we're diverse we're diversifying yeah but i think it's really just uh finding interest Finding your uh, finding out what your interests are, and there's usually an organization for that. But there are specific ones cater like the Latin Coalition, and things like that. It really just it really depends on how much effort you put into finding that. Because I know I didn't put as much effort as I should have my freshman year, and I really did feel like I was alone here. And then my sophomore year, I put more effort into, it and I felt like I finally felt like I found my group here and like found a home here at Baylor. Yeah, I think um, something we were talking about in the first episode was. Um, that feeling of like we like there's like it's cool to have people that are not of your same race but they're not going to understand your same language they're not going to understand your same culture they're not going to understand uh why your mom does this or why your dad does that or uh, just the different things that make your race what it is and and I think it's cool that you mentioned that because I think in the first episode we were talking about that as people of color and then to know that the Hispanic group goes through that as much as anyone else. So, and then my last question, um, I just want to ask, like you mentioned that you feel like there's not enough done for other Hispanic students. And so I just want to ask what could be done? What is What is the solution that could be done? Because I know that some people do petitions for the black community when things go on to have more diversity and inclusion here. But what could be done besides maybe petitions or talking to the president? Um, I definitely do, do think more, uh, just more exposure to these uh, Hispanic student-driven organizations or even like just more of these Hispanic 
alumni. Like I know they have Latin mixers every now and then, but there's not a lot of uh, Hispanic professors here on campus at Baylor. For the most part, it's really just white professors. So that's like one one side of it they could really work on is hiring more Latin uh, faculty. Like it's sad to say, but like I've, I've I see more people that look like me cleaning the trash cans and cleaning the restrooms than I ever see in a classroom. So it's like that aspect definitely needs to change, especially if you want to if you're if Baylor is serious about growing the minority population here in Waco, it definitely it definitely needs to expand its uh, its horizon with hiring Hispanic. Uh, professors, especially with Waco being such a minority-driven city, it's kind of crazy to see that, like this Baylor bubble that we have, is really just so not not segregated, but so isolated to that culture that Waco brings and those people. Because like you drive five minutes away from campus and you're around nothing but minorities, and that's honestly where I feel more at home is like in the Waco community than anywhere in the Baylor bubble. But a lot of this can be said, but it's also not all to blame on Baylor's fault. Like like you said, the black community has a lot of petitions, and I've been a part of the black community, and they really do they do a good job of uh, acting as a family here and, like, supporting each other. That's one thing I really think the Hispanic uh, student population needs to work on is supporting each other and not so much trying to compete with, oh, let me, let's, like, try to compete with each other, try to compete with the black community. I think you really need to just focus on really supporting each other and expanding Baylor's Hispanic community first. Is there anything you want to tell the people before we're done? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to shout out Portraits because they're incredible. Shout out Miss Beverly. Yeah, Miss Beverly. And if you don't know what Portraits is, it is basically an organization where college students come, teach kids about singing, dancing, writing. We also have a snapshot group for kids who are three and I don't think younger. Uh, and then also we have a Photoshop group for kids that love TikToks. So, yeah, if you ever are interested, please reach out to Miss Pro Beverly and let her know. And yeah, so thank de- you. I would definitely reach out to Miss Miss Beverly no matter what, especially if you're a minority on campus. Definitely go to Miss Beverly or the MA offices in general. Yeah, great people. Well, thank y'all for checking out my second episode, and I hope that y'all have a great day. Bye.